sick this week? Uh, what was the problem? I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back, back is broken. What uh, a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. You did that in sparring? No, I did it um, by a motorcycle accident. The doctor discovered I was doing my sit-ups 2,500 a day with my 20-pound weight, and one day I couldn't move anymore. And I asked the doctor, "What's wrong?" And he said, um, "Believe it or not, it's wearing your back is broken slightly." Hey guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. The apologies if the audio quality is a bit off today. I popped my back in the gym earlier today, so I'm just laid up, just trying to make a recording as best I can. So I'm a bit further away from the mic than I normally am. So apologies if the audio isn't what you expect. Bear with me on this one. But all I really wanted to talk about today was the Taylor-Progray fight. Progray-Taylor, whichever way you want to call it. And I wanted to talk about it because I think it's a fascinating fight and so many threads of discussions, thoughts, ideas about the two fighters involved, about boxing in general, came together on that night. And so I just wanted to give my take on it and it will be a bit revisionist and I think we're all looking at the past differently having seen the fight now. So there's always going to be that bit of revision because I'm looking at it through the lens of I now know what happened when these two fought. So now when I look back at how they got to that point, my view is completely different, which it should be because I'm operating off more information now. So the first thing to say is I absolutely loved the fight. The fight delivered on a card where no one really managed to set the world on fire. You ended up with a fight where you can say without question and without doubt, this is what we watch boxing for. If you could get evenly matched fights like that consistently down the top four fights of a card, you can justify a pay-per-view fee. And I thought credit to both boxers for putting it all on the line and for, I think, giving their best efforts. Now, this isn't the sort of fight where I want to hear someone had a bad camp because there was no evidence of that. It was legit that the fine margins between what have come before, well, what has come before, I should say. But th those fine margins between all the things you've done up until that point become so visible because of the magnifying glass of the whole boxing world looking at that fight and being able to see finally what was all the talk about. And so for that reason, I really love this fight because it told us a lot and it reminded us about a lot as well. And I think it's forced us to actually go back in time and start looking at things differently. So if you ask me where the fight was won and lost, my simple answer is it was lost in the, for Progre, it was lost in the transitions. Now, what do I mean by that? The transitions are essentially, in boxing, for me, the transition is those gaps between attack and defense. What do you do in those spaces? You know, how do you generate some kind of advantage in those spaces? So when you watch the fight back, and you'll see Taylor do small things that I really enjoyed, like, Behind the high, he'd come in behind the high, the high guard, he might feign to jab. And when Progre would slip his head out the way of the jab, he'd leave his jab arm 
on Progre's neck so he could lever him to then throw the left hand, if that makes sense. So he was actually beginning to use his lead hand as just more for leverage than anything else on the inside. And then he was using that same forearm when he wanted to push you back on the inside. So what Taylor was really good at was those old veteran tricks of controlling the head and the neck and making sure that Progre ends up where Taylor wants him to be. And Taylor was able to do this round after round, particularly after the second half. And that's when you saw Taylor land his biggest shots, when he was able to control that transition and have, have the transition happen on his terms. And that's kind of where it was won and lost because in a straight shootout, Progre, better timing, quicker hands. You know, Taylor, probably heavier hands, quicker to get off was one of the differences as well. But it was in those transitions where you saw Progre had no answer because when Progre got in close in his transitions, he wasn't able to maneuver Taylor where he wanted him to. He was almost hell bent on saying on the inside, I'm just going to counter, which is probably the worst thing you can do against someone like Josh Taylor because he doesn't, he doesn't give you a respite. He doesn't give you the opportunity to counter. Why? Because he controls the transition. So for me, that was a massive tick in the box for Taylor going forward, that he controls those transitions and he makes it really uncomfortable on the inside for anyone. No matter how strong you think you are, round after round of that will take it out of you. But notwithstanding that, you're watching this fight and you've seen the Progray build-up and you've seen the Taylor build-up and you're asking yourself, What's really going to win out here? That, that was really my question. What was going to win out? Was it going to be the slick, kind of the creative, the witty, the, the artistic side, which is Prograde to me. Prograde does, he boxes like an artist in his own time. You know, he seems to bend time and space to his will. Or was Josh Taylor going to be able to overwhelm him with just his brutality? And Josh Taylor, he's a, he's a brutal character. He's intense. And he's nasty in that ring. And so it was a, which one of these is going to win out? It's almost like comparing the graffiti artist and the painter and decorator. Look different. They talk different. They have different lifestyles. But ultimately, they both work off a canvas. It all looks different at the end, but they both obsess with perfection. And so it was which ideology was actually going to win out here. And by the fourth round, we had no answer. The pro-grade jab, I think in, in the fight, if you were to rank shots in terms of which shots were the most impressive, the pro-grade jab was incredible because it came from any and everywhere and it looked different. It had different shapes to it. It had different speeds to it. And it came from, you know, from high to low, from low to high. And that was probably the shot that he had the most. But when I was looking at it, he wasn't using it the way he should have been. And that should have been to ensure Josh couldn't set his feet and also to try and start busting him up. And when he couldn't do that with the jab, you started to wonder what else he had because in all of Taylor's, pre not Taylor, in all of Progress previous fights, you know, the, the power shots came a lot later. After he established his dominance with the jab, then the power shots would come. But in this one, Taylor was probably not the guy to do that because what Taylor did, and this is really important in that first third, is he never gave up his defensive shape. And what he did is he said to Progre, I'm going to have two hands up. You're going to have to find a way to get past these arms. And it's not going to be with straight punches. You're not going to be able to throw one-twos at me because my arms are going to be in the way. 
And as soon as you start coming around the sides with the hooks, I want to control the transition and then it's my turn to attack. And I'm going to ask you, can you live with me? And this was kind of, it was harder to do in the first third of the fight because Progre was energetic, he was sharp, his reflexes were on point and he was getting off on the strategy he wanted. But after that fourth round, maybe going somewhere around the fifth into the sixth round, the psychology of the fight starts to change. So I don't want to say Progre is a confidence fighter. I don't know him that well. I don't know his team that well to be asking that kind of question. What I can say is looking at his previous fights, he tended to do better once he had his opponent hurt. And I don't even mean hurt as in his legs are gone. I mean hurt as in he saw visible signs of distress in his opponent. Because that started to validate that his power was there. Taylor offered nothing by way of reaction. He offered nothing by way of signal that he was being hurt. He offered nothing by way of signal that you know, he was under pressure. Taylor offered nothing. There was no feedback. So what Progray is doing is, round after round, he's asking himself, am I hurting this guy? What am I taking out of this guy? Are these body shots really having an effect on him? Because from what I'm seeing, he's still coming. And I'm running out of tricks to use. And so, you went from having Progray being the the cocky, confident, slick artist that we'd seen in all of his fights up until that point, to a man who's now questioning whether he has the tools to get the job done. In contrast, all Josh Taylor's done, as he does in every fight, is stick to his guns. Josh's, there's no, there's no fireworks to Josh, and there's no bells and whistles. It is simple, fundamental boxing, where he says, I'll do it on the outside, and I'll do it on the inside. But what you will know is, everything's going to hurt, everything's going to be rough, it's going to be nasty, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And he'll do that round after round. Subtle adjustments in round because he's a, he's a clever boxer and he gets the sport. But ultimately, the, the macro philosophy for Josh Taylor is to make it tough on the inside and to grind you down until he establishes that he's the man in that ring. And then he'll tend to do what he wants. So in that, you're having this constant clash round after round. Taylor, you know, Taylor just needing to get inside. Taylor needing to just make sure his punches make contact. But Progray needing to see that feedback. Taylor doesn't care about the feedback. Why? Because he knows his style can get him over the line in a 12-round fight. He's proven it. So what happened was, in those middle rounds, Progray realizes he's not going to have the walk in the park he might have thought. And I, don't, I, I say that in context of, you know, he, he's fighting another guy who's his peer. And you expect that to be life and death. And I don't, I don't think Progray thought it would be life and death. I think he thought he could get out there with minimal punishment and just have to work hard to keep Taylor off. That didn't happen. So in the middle rounds, Progray starts to change from, I'm going to outbox this guy, I want to outskill him, to... Jesus, I'm in a fight now. I'm in a fight against the guy who's always been in a fight. And maybe I'm not quite prepared for this. Because there were no adjustments made. Progray didn't have a plan B which said, if this just stays in the trenches and he's bigger and he's stronger than you, what are you going to do? And so he modifies what he was doing in the first third of the fight into the second third. And it's not working because now Taylor starts to shut the distance down, really stamp his authority and start to rip into those shots. 
because all the mistakes that Progia was making in the first third are now exacerbated because he doesn't know what to do. So if you ever saw on the inside, Taylor would always keep one glove up. Why? Because then he knew which way the punches would come. Progre had both hands pretty much down. So his face was always exposed. So Taylor could just create a little bit of distance with the forearm and then crack the shot over. And Progre made no adjustment to that. Maybe because he'd never been in that position before where he had to. Even if he took the odd shot as a counter, he knew he'd get the guy back. But in Taylor, Taylor was building the scoreboard. In, in rugby, that's what we call it. Keep the scoreboard ticking over. So it's the equivalent of taking penalty after penalty after penalty and then scoring the occasional try. But as long as you keep that scoreboard ticking over, you put pressure on your opponent to keep playing at a high level and to take more risks. And so the psychology of the fight by the end of the second third is Progre now realizing he's going to have to fight for his life. But Taylor realizing... I've been here before. I feel good. And I feel confident I can keep doing the same thing down the stretch. And if I keep doing the same thing down the stretch, I should win this. So Josh stays consistent. You know, you're watching Taylor go through the emotional and technical turmoil of what do I do against the guy that seems to have an answer for everything I've got. What you do then is you just go, right, we're going toe-to-toe. But in those exchanges... Progay wasn't winning. He wasn't getting a foothold. He struggled to get a foothold in those. And so there came a point when, you know, you got to the final third and you sense that Taylor was ahead, but if Progray could find something in him, he might be able to pull it out the bag. But I think the reality was the final third, it was almost a bridge too far. Not because of ability, not because of strength or power. He hadn't been there before. Taylor had. Taylor had been late before under pressure. He knew what to do. He knew how he'd feel. So he knew what he had to stick to. He had made his mistakes before. This was all new for Progray. And Progray made many mistakes. Mistakes that he'll probably never make again in the final stretch of the fight. So people say, what are those mistakes? One is keeping your hands down at this point. Now, you're at the point where you're tired. This is where you've just got to go back to your fundamentals. The second mistake Progray made not getting off first. The easiest way to disrupt Josh Taylor is to get off first. When O'Hara Davis did it, and I know people will laugh at this reference, but when O'Hara Davis was able to connect with his jab, it stopped Taylor doing what he wanted to do. Taylor got a foothold and established dominance in that fight when O'Hara neglected the jab and decided to try and outman Josh Taylor and outpower him. Had he stuck to that jab and got it off first like he was before, Taylor was in, no, I mean, Taylor was pretty uncomfortable. Progress should have done that. How he didn't go back to just a very basic jab and move game is beyond me. But it comes from conditioning and it comes from that sense of have you been there before? Do you know what your decision making criteria were? Taylor knew all he had to do was keep him on the inside, left uppercut, right hook, left uppercut, double the right hook, double the right hook, then the left uppercut. And when you feel like creating some distance, just jab him, one to him, because Progray's hands weren't protecting anything. And so this comes back to one of the fundamentals in boxing. And the best at this was probably Hopkins, maybe Andre Ward, actually. They shut down your options, subconsciously shut down your options. And they'll put their, 
they'll set their defense up. So it's almost like, I want to make you throw your right hand, or I'm going to make you jab. And that's why they were always hard to hit, because they shut down your variable, and they controlled when you were able to throw your power shots. Program, the other hand, because he relies on movement and reflex for his defense, he wasn't able to shut those options down. He knew what he was getting hit by, but he wasn't able to then nullify the right hooks by just putting his hand up and countering off those hooks. He wasn't able to do that. He wasn't able to counter off the uppercut when Taylor threw it. He wasn't... And, and, and these are all things that if you ask Regis Progate today, can you do these things? He'd tell you absolutely. And he'd probably show you he can do them. But in that final stretch, those final four rounds, you're not fighting on intelligence. You're fighting on habit. You're fighting on instinct. You're fighting on what you've invested in. And he hadn't invested in those sort of 12-round wars or those, those, those fights that go late into the fight like Josh Taylor has had. And people need to go back and remember all those fights we thought Taylor looked lackluster and we're like, why didn't he get him out of there? They're the things that won Taylor the fight tonight. Those mistakes he made then, he didn't make last night. And because he didn't make them last night, what he was then able to do was stay consistent. And there's nothing that scares people more than someone who's consistent under the sternest of pressure because that's courage. That's having balls of steel. Taking a beating for 15 rounds doesn't make you a hero. It doesn't make you brave, and it's not balls of steel. The ability to be in the most extreme situation possible, and you can execute everything that you've been trained to do under that kind of pressure, that's courage. And it will get overlooked because people talk about you know, how intense the fight was, but Taylor's defense was really, really good. Just having the arms up basically negated what Progre was trying to do. And it forced Progre into attacking by winging round the arms, which gave Taylor control of the middle. And in those sorts of fights, you always want to control the middle. And that's the lesson I think Progre will take. The boxer that controls the middle controls the fight. Because that's where you can do most damage. The, the human being is most vulnerable down that center line. I think Taylor got to Progre's center line more than Progre got to Taylor's center line. So that's how you end up, you know, in a fight where, you know, I think one judge had it a draw, one had it to Taylor, one had it to Taylor pretty wide, which didn't feel representative of the fight. But I can also understand where that comes from. Because NPR, I've been pulled up on this, and why do judges judge differently? And here's why. Judges see different things. Not only from a positional perspective but also what they want to reward. Is Progress defense higher level than Taylor's attack at this point? Is Progress jab better than Taylor's right hook at this point? And you, it's a constant balancing act as a judge. So I can see why, because if you pull one round in, or maybe two rounds in, then you're like, well, yeah, I kind of feel that card now. So there's, there's really not much in it. But the right man won. I'm not sure that I predicted it that way. And I understand that. I like Josh Taylor. I think Josh Taylor's a, a good fighter. But I think ideologically, we needed Taylor to win. And I'm saying this, you know, having slept on it. Josh Taylor, by doing that, I think he's now the best British boxer that we have. Not Joshua. I don't want to hear about Joshua unifying belts. Joshua had never been in that kind of fight. Like, for Joshua to 
to be at that level, he'd have to be in with someone like Dillian. Not Dillian, sorry. Deontay. I'm having a bad day of it. He'd have to be in with Wilder. And he'd have to deliver that kind of consistent performance. I know people say, but he did it against Klitschko. Uh, Klitschko's a bit of a granddad, if we're being brutally honest. So Taylor is, because Taylor's now a guy we look at and go, we think you can beat everyone in your division. You don't have to delay fights. You don't have to let them marinate now. You can fight Ramirez. You could fight Mikey Garcia, and we think you give them hell. That makes him the best boxer we have in this country. And that's a good thing because if he had lost, then I don't believe we would have had anyone that was world-class. So now we've got someone we can say is world-class. And not only that, but in a fight where he made very few mistakes, he chose to trade on the inside. That was his, his, his decision was to trade on the inside. And he won those exchanges. And you don't win those exchanges without sustaining something back. That's just the nature of the sport. And he was able to do that. So Josh has shown that. And now it's about what happens next. And most boxing fans will say, we want him to go and unify. We want him to go and become undisputed. I don't. I understand what that fight took out of him. I understand what that kind of camp and build-up can do to you. And you don't want to st jump straight back into another one. You know, happy for Shane. Financially, I think this secures McGuigan's gym as an ongoing entity, which is good because now I think we've got to look at Shane as one of the best tacticians in this country and definitely one of the best trainers in this country. And people for a long time had questioned that. But we're seeing the McGuigan formula come to fruition in Josh Taylor. You know, just those little things he was doing that I love. Like Taylor either punches low and goes high or he starts high and he goes low. Which essentially means you can't get out the way of his punches. Uh, with some of those right hooks, he was just shooting them down. And Progre thought dipping under would be enough. It wasn't. Because when he was ducking under, he was getting caught around the side or the back of the head, which made that uncomfortable. And then Taylor would bring him up. So the, the hooks were going from low to high. So you couldn't really pull back either. He, he made it so uncomfortable for Progre that I, I just think Progre's game fell apart. I think... His ability to be the best version of himself started to wilt in round seven and eight, and then he just couldn't get it back. Which is, you no, know, which is credit to to Taylor. It's credit to the McGuigans. It's just credit to that whole setup over there. So, when the embers of this fight die and the the ashes start to blow around, people just ask, why why Taylor over Progre? Because, like, you know, just the basic, if you did top trumps, Progray would win every time. I think it shows that there's an art to building a fighter. And I think Cyclone got it right in a way that Matchroom and Frank Warren don't often do. But I think Frank is probably closer to the mark than Eddie is at the moment. They put Taylor in tough very early in his career. He was fighting guys like Dave Ryan before he would normally get to fight guys like Dave Ryan. He had his domestic grudge, grudge matches with Ahara Davis pretty early in his career. So all these building blocks were starting to happen. And we're starting to see the emergence of the Taylor style. And within that, we started to get excited. And you know, when I when I was on the New Age 
Boxing Podcast, you know, we talked at length about how we thought Taylor was special. And then there was that period, we can call it a maturation period, where he was fighting guys and he was going seven rounds, eight rounds, nine rounds. And then we saw the Postal fight, where we'd all thought Postal was a bit shot. Let's not kid ourselves, we thought Postal was a bit shot, and that Taylor should get him out of there. The fact that he didn't, and the fact that it looked reasonably close, like the, the, our eyes were telling us it was quite a close fight, the judges' scorecards told us differently, hmm, we're okay with that. But Taylor was building the rounds. What he was doing was learning how to stay consistent round after round after round after round. And I think we now look back on that postal fight as being validation of that. And so psychologically, Taylor goes into this fight knowing I can do the 12 being Josh Taylor. Against someone who's feared, you know, against someone who's still a threat and still a factor now. So then when the Baranchik fight comes along, he's now confident he can be Josh Taylor for the length of a fight. So he's had that momentum of being that, that long distance guy being Josh Taylor, which is fantastic. And I don't think Progress had that in his career. He's bombed a lot of guys out pretty easily and Dongo went easily. Uh, Abel Ramos, I think, retired. and He's got a lot of guys out of there pretty quickly. Uh, Relic just got his ass beaten. The only guy to stand up to him was Terry Flanagan, who took him the 12. But Flanagan's not a guy that's going to test your metal. He's not going to put you under the kind of pressure that breaks your technique. So if you're pro-gray and you're thinking, well, if I can do that to Terry Flanagan, Josh Taylor can't be that much better. Dangerous trap to fall into. And that's why building a fight is important. Taylor's had very few easy fights. They've all been fights that were designed to take him on another level. And so by the time he arrives here, you now look at Taylor and go, I think you've got a sustainable career. I think you can fight, you can unify, you can stay a world champion, much like Carl Froch was. Unlike Matchroom guys who, if you think about how Matchroom works, you'll win a vacant title, you'll get a soft voluntary defense, and then as soon as anyone decent shows up as your mandatory, you may as well just post the belt to them because you don't last long as a champion on Matchroom because they don't build fighters. And they don't have that experience within them to build the fighters anymore. So that, I think that was a positive to show that actually matching your guys pretty hard early in their career yields greater rewards than a padded record. You know, all of these guys that are now going the 12 or going 11 rounds. Like Anthony Yard will learn more from that Kovalev fight than all the other fights put together. You know, Taylor learned a lot more from that postal fight than the other ones put together. And then Baranchik was almost a test to go, are you really that guy? Absolutely. And so that's why I found this fight fascinating. There were so many elements in there that, that, that came together at once. And I know the guys that were there live talk about how great the atmosphere was. So fair play. Congratulations on that. And hopefully you guys all enjoyed the fight. Was it pay-per-view? With hindsight, that main event's a pay-per-view main event. The rest of the card, well, I'll leave that to you guys. But I just wanted to be quick and just give my views on the fight. So thanks very much for tuning in. As always, get in touch, Highfield Boxing, on Twitter and Instagram. So take care, guys. Have a great day.